This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, would a four-day work week work for you? Well, the question is, would it work for your boss, really? Uh, Charlotte Lockhart, the founder of Four Day Week Global, tells us the benefits of shortening our time at work and how it can improve productivity and your success that's uh, inside the company. What the hell should we watch this weekend returns with Steve Stebbing. He gives us a review of Thor, Love and Thunder, plus a tribute to James Caan. And are you okay with payday? We also might have killed a mosquito during that segment as well. It's all here on the Shift Daily Podcast. Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. I can tell you I'm not okay with mosquitoes. You look like you look like a dog staring or a cat staring at a laser pointer. <laughs> you uh, no, it's, like. I hate them. I know. Is they it fly a big around. one? It's a big one. And then my yeah, dog is a Great too. Dane with a big mouth. So talk about scary awake in the middle of the night when she snaps at one. Yep. It's like an alligator. Yep. Jeez, I hate them. They're everywhere. Not here. I left Fort McMurray. I usually hmm? move here. There's like no mosquitoes. But normally here, there's none. Yeah, it's pretty cool here. like in the evening, you get a couple. But here, now with all the rain we've had, it's just like, it's like a swamp. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. It's a trade-off here, you know. Unaffordable living, but no mosquitoes. Right. You don't have to mm. spend your money on bug spray. Yeah, so that there comes you in go. handy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with? Can we just start with something completely off topic? I'm curious. Sure. What's your best mosquito repellent recipe? Uh, I don't have a recipe, but I can tell you the smartest way I've ever caught a bug. Saw it mm. on TikTok, and I will never catch a bug different for the rest of my life. Okay. Take an empty matchbox. Yeah. One that slides open. And put it over top of the bug when it's on the wall and then close the matchbox. And yep. then when you go outside, push it and open it and the bug flies away. Done. You're telling me you're going to let a mosquito go? I'm just saying I wouldn't know. I would kill a mosquito with a shoe, like flamethrower or whatever I got laying around. Flamethrower. Yeah, like Bert, you know, it's a mosquito. But if you see a bumblebee, a ladybug, or even like just a, 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 a bug you just don't feel like killing or flushing down the toilet, I highly recommend the matchbox technique. Hmm. All right, it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I just use a plastic bowl and a piece of paper or something. Mm-hmm. My uh, best uh, mosquito repellent uh, advice would be to uh, move to Vancouver, where there isn't any. There Thank isn't you. any. That's, yeah. It's very cheap. Thank yeah. you. That's very affordable from the frugal guy. Um, yeah, what was no, I I'm thinking? looking all over because they're going to eat me. Anyway, uh, yeah, citronella candles. What do you use? Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. What is your uh, mosquito repellent secret? Come on, you CJOB Manitoba people. I know you got secrets. <laughs> oh, yeah, they must. Are they you to. okay with payday? Oh, yeah. Ooh. Not for another uh, Not for another week, week but uh, it's. I don't like the payday on the first of the month because that it lines up with all Look, the bills, the rent, and it gone. doesn't really feel like a payday, does it? It's the payday on the second week. That's the payday. That's awesome. That's when you can go to the stampede and have a beer or two or go to a movie and not worry about it. That's the nice payday. So I like I used to like getting paid every two weeks for the 26 pay periods a year because two of the months of the year you get a bonus paycheck. That was always the best. That was nice because you'd forget about it. Right. And you'd be like, oh, my God, I have an extra X dollars lying around. And that always feels nice. But we don't get that here. No, we don't. No, no, we don't. And also, uh, what you should do with your bills, instead of just all of them in the one paycheck, you spread them out over the course mm-hmm. of the month, and then then both paychecks are, are okay. 
instead yeah. of one being amazing and, and the other just being gone. There it is. Oh, I'm almost got it. Go. No, missed. <laughs> there it is. Landed in my mouth. I'm gonna kill a mosquito. I tell you, it's gonna dictate okay. the show. I don't care. Yeah, here um, comes the dumpster oh. fire. Oh, he's up there. I can see him. You need a Nerf gun. That's what you need no. when you're sitting at your desk. Get a Nerf gun. Have a good shot, and knock it out. Oh, there he is. Oh, oh, come on! I want to get him. This anyway, is, um, compelling radio. <laughs> compelling radio here. Compelling. <laughs> well, there's. Oh. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? Oh, payday. Uh, no, seriously, Ryan. If you don't know this, you call your bill companies and ask them to change your bill cycle day. Just oh. call. Them. Like yeah. if your credit card payment is due on the first or whatever, and you just call them and say, "Hey, I'd like to pay this on the seventeenth, please," they'd be like, "Okay, no problem." Well, I'll, get I'll be right back. I think um, he can do it. Yeah. He has left the building, mm -hmm. and he's got the. Oh, it's dead and on oh. his hand. Nice, he got oh. it. He can actually. Yeah, you can do the job now. You don't. The Pretty sure prime distraction. Yeah. You think there's another one, or are you just seeing them? No, I might be seeing things at this point. I gotta, I gotta clean my walls. Anyway, um, payday. The thing. Hit the button with the thing. Yay. Thank you. Two years, <laughs> two years ago, a couple in Pennsylvania had a very large payday by accident. State police say the couple living here at this home on Cypress Street in Montoursville got themselves into hot water after spending money that wasn't theirs. Investigators say Robert and Tiffany Williams had $120,000 deposited into their account at BB&T on May 31st through a mistake by a teller. But instead of contacting the bank about the deposit, the couple allegedly spent most of the money all in two and a half weeks between June 3rd through the 19th. State police say the Williams bought an SUV V, two four-wheelers, a camper, a car trailer. Police say the Williams also used the money on bills, car repairs, cash purchases, and even gave $15,000 to friends in need of money. I wouldn't do that and check in with the bank first before I did anything. I'm, I'm not that dumb, but I mean, yeah, some people do stupid things sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can we play the very beginning of the story? Because I feel like we need to just salute the accent in the very beginning. From the clip, we just hit it there. Yeah. State police say the couple living here at this home on Cypress Street in Montoursville got themselves into hot water after spending money that wasn't theirs. Okay. In See, there it is. Wasn't theirs. <laughs> wasn't theirs. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Nice. Oh. <laughs> Couldn't let it go. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on that, too, because when I was recording it, I did a double take. I was like, wait, what? Was it What? <laughs> <laughs> Did you say that? This is Louisiana is so good. Okay, uh, WJBF is the uh, name of the station for that. So why are we sharing this particular story? Because someone topped that story by $170,000. As reported by Metro UK, an employee in Chile received a monthly check equivalent to over $230,000 Canadian for his work in May. He normally makes $700 a month. Ah, uh. He took the money and ran like a smart human. The man did report the mix-up to the HR department. He reportedly promised to give the money back, but apparently disappeared the next day. The company was contacted by the man's lawyer saying he's resigned from his position. Police have made no arrests yet. I don't know what the law says for that. As long as he pays taxes on it. Mm, I, how does that work? I don't know. Because 
he he would be technically in the wrong because uh it was he w- did not earn that much money through work that like I, i'm sure in court he would lose every single time but is that fraud is that like no, he didn't. what he is wasn't that? fraudulent yeah but i i, I see yeah. i just don't understand how it's any different than like if you found money in the street you're supposed to turn it in and if nobody comes and gets it with x number of days then you get to keep it hmm. right so right. i guess in this particular case they've come back and said oopsie but <laughs> oopsie so i don't know anyway um i would like to just draw attention to the fact that not only did we um give you that story about money we also killed the mosquito yeah well and done isn't that beautiful there's a lot of Love text it. for you on the mosquitoes too i know right lots of good jokes too salt gun google it yep where do i find a matchbox ryan nighthawk steve shane i get paid weekly it works well um, yeah, that would. You can get a natural bug spray made of marigold flowers. You can use it on yourself and your dog. It works perfectly. Interesting. It doesn't work very well for the marigold flowers, does it? Uh, I just feed everyone else a banana. The mosquitoes can't even find me. That's interesting. Let's see. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Um, there's a lot. Why can't a mosquito stand on its feet? Why? It doesn't have mosquitoes. <laughs> oh, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That one's yeah. terrible, but I like it a lot. All right. Um, Excellent. Are you okay with parking? Uh, you know, I got to be honest. It's not a surprise. This is a known fact. I don't drive. Mm. Uh, I have driven before. I've taken some classes and I have, I've tried it and there are a couple of kinds of parking that I'm okay with that are easy. In fact, I actually don't hate parallel parking. I don't hate Mm. it. It's not terrible. It's parking on a hill. I have an idea. I can't do that. For some reason I can't, I never put the wheels in the right direction ever. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to pick you up tomorrow, give you a ride to the movie and uh, you can drive. You could drive my X5. Oh, oh, that sounds like an offer. <laughs> An offer? <laughs> uh, finding a parking spot downtown is one thing, but no matter what, you always have to find your driveway to come home to. Not if you live in San Diego, though. Judy and Ed Crane live on a steep hill where parking can be gravity-defying challenge. That's why they park their car pad off their driveway, which they've been doing every day for the past 36 years. But the city is now saying no. They got a ticket for parking on their own driveway. Not just a ticket, a heft one. A hefty one. It came with an enormous fine, 1500 bucks plus another $250 per day if they didn't get the car off their car pad. What the hey? I wrote back to them and I said I thought it was a mistake. But it was no mistake and no ordinary parking ticket. It came from the city planning department telling them it's illegal to park in the front yard of a house. And if we were found parking there again, it would be a $1,500 fine. And so they quickly pulled the car out, but... None of it made sense. Why are you taking away something that has great utility, not just to us, but our neighbors in terms of more parking spaces? Ed and Judy had been parking there for nearly four decades, and as far as they could tell, the space was used for parking since the house was built back in 1910, one of the first in their Noe Valley neighborhood. All of a sudden be told you can't use something that we had used for years, it's startling. And so the planning department gave them a challenge, proved the parking was a historic use on the lot, and they might get a waiver. We could be grandfathered in 
if we showed them a historical photo that showed a car or a buggy, a horse-drawn buggy, in the carport. So they did. They found an aerial photo from 1938, rushed it to the planning department saying, here, it looks like a car or a horse and buggy pulling into the driveway. And they said the pictures were too fuzzy. They didn't do it. (laughs) So they took away the fine once they moved the car from the car pad. Now they have to build a garage. Oh, bureaucracy. Jeez. Well, nobody wants a heft fine. That's for sure. No. It's the chefs. I don't want to lift that. I'm Shay no. Hewitt. We'll be right back. No, no we're not. Won't. No, we no. won't. Oh, we right. We have more. Yeah. I'm so glad <laughs> yeah. you just saved yeah. my bacon. Last yeah. time I did that, can I tell everybody else? Yeah. I did that one time when you were away, Brennan. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and we literally like had to save the day or else yeah. all the channels would have been wrong. No, I know you did because you, you, you know, called me. And I was watching I a Frasier rerun. I was sitting at home watching a rerun of Watching Frasier. a radio show? Yeah, you... watching a radio show. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm Ross. All right. Oh, I'm glad you saved my bacon there. See, it's all the mosquitoes they've got me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> I guess we should uh, do another Are You Okay yeah, then? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say the all words. Right. Well, we'll call this a heft segment of Are You Okay? Are you okay with? Mm-hmm. Pepsi. Pepsi. Pepis. I love Pepsi. I'm, I, I like Pepsi more than I like Coke. I'm honest. Ooh. I know it's I know it's sweeter. It's sweeter. They actually have I think about the same amount of sugar, but I like the taste of Pepsi a bit more than Coke. But I will say that Coke in a glass bottle is better than any other pop. So they do still have mm. that advantage. But uh, yeah, I like Pepsi. Mm. Oh, remember Clear Pepsi? Mm. I've never had it. Never had it. I've had the original Pepsi with the cane sugar, which I don't drink as much pop as I used to. So it's probably why I haven't had the clear one, which is back in stock right now. You can buy. I remember when you used to get the Coca Cola bottles and you peel out the liner inside the cap and see if you got free stuff. Oh yeah, that was fun. fun. I remember that too. That was the best. Little prizes underneath. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Red versus blue, Coke versus Pepsi. The man in the story is very much on Team Pepsi. Christian Cavaletti originally earned the Guinness World Record for the largest collection of Pepsi cans, March 2004 which I'm guessing he collected in his parents' basement, when his collection was tallied at 4,391 pieces. Well, he just won the record again. That's terrible. All he needs to do is just collect one more can, and he gets a new record. Anyway, he won the record again, and he's amassed an incredible amount of cans. Hello, my name is Christian Cavalet, and I own more than 12,000 unique Pepsi cans. Come with me. The basement is filled with shelves. I made to store all the cans, and they are divided by a country. For example, in this area we have the European, and on this side we have the Asian cans. And they are, among the country, they are chronologically ordered, from the old one to the newest one. Pepsi-Cola was founded at the end of 19th century by a pharmacist. Actually, it was sold as a remedy for stomach disease. Therefore, the name Pepsi from Pepsin, which is an enzyme contained in our stomach. This is uh, the very first Pepsi can ever made in 1948. It's called Cone Top because of its shape, and it's closed with a crown cork cap. The cap? I just—I really want to ask if he eats pizza. <laughs> I know it's a bad stereotype, but it sounds so good. Come on, it's, do the Mario. It, it, it was so Italian. I imagine like 
best case scenario because i will say that if it is his mom's basement she's a nice basement because his collection is organized to the quality like the quality of a museum it's amazing but That's i cool. do imagine that when the door opens he just goes hello <laughs> <laughs> can you do the it's a mario but do it it's a christian <laughs> i have a can of the pepsi <laughs> see it's so good cavaletti one uh told guinness he and his brother eduardo began collecting pepsi cans in 1989 after becoming enamored with the back to the future trilogy the brothers collected items related to the films including a futuristic can of pepsi perfect from back to the future part two cavaletti said he's planning to turn his collection into a mini museum which is really kind of cool actually from that perspective and the fact that he has like the first one I think that's pretty awesome. I also could listen to that guy speak all day. Oh, yeah. He adds an A to the end of everything he says. Also, I had no idea what Pepsi Perfect was, but that's the Pepsi in Back to the Future 2 that comes out of the counter in this futuristic bottle. I, mm -hmm. I didn't know that they actually sold it. Hmm. I thought it was just a thing they made for the movie, like the the, the shoes. Marketing. That's all right. Uh, let's do one more, shall we? Yes. All right. Are you okay with... You already know my answer to this one. Eels. No. Gross. I, I like eels. I think Slimy eels taste good. Eel no, sushi, una, unami, unagi? I think it's unagi. No. is amazing. It's a bit no. barbecued with like a sear on it, some sauce. Mm -hmm. Very good. Not amazing swimming around your feet in the water. Hey, eels are fine. There's an indie rock band called Eels. They did a one-hit wonder, Novocaine for the Soul from the 90s. Love it. Yeah, love those eels. Right. Love those eels. A pet store manager from Kentucky discovered a rainwater cistern right under his garage. He was trying to figure out what to do with the cave until he found the perfect solution for him. He built an eel pit. Here's my uh, secret crush, CNN's Genie Moss. And you think eels are cute? Oh, I think they're adorable. I think I think weird things are cute. I don't know. I like weird stuff. Nick is a manager at a Kentucky pet shop and was delighted when he discovered his house had an underground receptacle to collect rainwater underneath the garage. My house came with a cave. And what better to stock it with... We have eels. ...than mail-order eels. Online fans follow every wriggle and squirm as he dangles worms. You can see right when he sees me there, he starts getting excited for this worm. I had him eating out of my hand within three, four days. The internet ate it up, especially when it came to naming the eels. From the biggest, Crunchwrap Supreme, named after a Taco Bell favorite, to the smallest. Here's a little bathtub. Often names included the eel from Shaquille... To this is tequila, tequila. Oh, great. tequila and one. Shaquille. That's pretty good. The, the next Give one is the best. Yeah, the most famous eel in this little collection is Mental Eelness, <laughs> who is beloved by four hundred thousand followers online. So far, Nick's pond has almost a dozen eels and several goldfish, which he says are all flourishing. His handle name, in case you're feeling this burning desire to check him out online, is Cow Turtle. On TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Move. Okay, that seems weird. That was a weird. That was a weird one. It is a weird one. It is a weird one. But this guy loves it. And then the video. I watched a couple of the videos. Are really funny. And a lot of the comments are like, "Mental illness cured my mental illness." So I think if Aww. hey if people are feeling down and they get excited and feel happy watching these little eels, then go for it. Do it. Slimy but creatures. It is a little slimy. 
If I go to the beach and I see an eel in the water before I go surfing, I will not go surfing. That's how much eels are gross. They scare me. Little purple blue Nemo fish, cool. Eels, ugly. This is the Shift Podcast. Now, I don't know about you, but a four-day week week work, (laughs) work week is appealing. See, this is what happens at the end of the week. It's my second day this week. I have no excuse. So we wanted to talk about that. And so we found a an expert who is living into creating a four-day work week. Charlotte Lockhart is in Oxford, UK, just west of London, and joins us now on The Shift. Hi, Charlotte. Hello. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you for uh, sharing this with us. I hope this isn't day five of your work week, Charlotte. Uh, no, well, I, I don't work a standard work week, um, to be fair. I, so I, uh, rather than working a four-day week, I, write, I work a reduced hours work week. So it suits me to um, be able to run around and, and do various things um, on five days. But I don't work more than, I don't know, 20 or 30 hours a week these days. I love it. So what inspires this? Other than, like you, you to me and all of us workers, you are like the superwoman. You need a cape standing for something we've all wanted for a long time. Um, what got you started in this, Charlotte, and your sort of stand, I guess, in researching and finding all of the data and the info that benefits from a four-day work week? What? How did this all start for you? Well, we successfully put a uh, four-day week in our business in New Zealand back in 2018, prior to the pandemic. And we started having a lot of conversations with people and supporting other businesses to do the same, looking at what the research might be, um, talking to governments and, and union leaders and business leaders and uh, pretty much anybody that would that wanted to talk to us. We've spoken in media and easily over 100 countries around the world. Um, and but but through all of that, we ended up post pandemic with so many people wanting to do something different that we ended up setting up our pilot program scheme, which allows people to join a group uh, scheme. And we've got a Canadian one starting in October. It's our second one this year for the US Canada market. Um, and through that, we provide a community of, of, for business, businesses and business leaders to, to work through how they're going to reduce work hours in their business uh, and why they might want to do that and how they can do it while keeping productivity high, uh, reducing work time, and keeping pay the same. So when the pandemic hit and everything started to shift, you know, uh, politically anyway, there was tossed about the Great Reset. And I didn't ever really subscribe to that politically when we're not here to talk about politics anyway. But when it came to the (laughs) workplace, the workplace to me was where the Great Reset was about to happen. I've looked at some of the radio stations that we have and these big, beautiful entire floors of buildings and all of this stuff. And it really boiled down to, do you even want to have a career in commercial real estate these days because of these massive changes that could be coming for how we work? Did this seem like a an amazing blessing for your work in this conversation about just changing the routines and habits, good, bad, ugly, of our, our yeah, work look, methods? 
Yeah, so I often sort of say that, you know, we, we went, the pandemic was such a tough time for us globally and so many people lost their lives and, and lost their health. And so if we don't use this for a reset, I think we're not valuing the sacrifice that we've all made and that, 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 that people have made some of them with their lives. So I think that it's really important to have that conversation. How are we going to work moving forward? I mean, the five-day week came in in the 1920s and 30s. It took about 20 or 30 years to really solidify itself as a normal part of our our life but since then we've had so much technology with so many other things and but we've got long commutes we've got the environmental impact we've got gender balance that hasn't sorted itself out properly and so what are the things that we can do in our workplace and the lessons that we've learned and you're right why would you come into work when you can do your job from home as long as that means that the job job is being done properly and that people are getting their needs met I find it quite interesting because the great resignation tells us you have to ask your people now. And that's the difference. Asking your people, how can we make this new workplace? Well, when I was a business owner, I mean, I always found it strange that our default was Monday to Friday, nine to five, right? Like that seemed weird to me when somebody, one person could be more efficient in 10 hours, but it also makes it easy for me to hire for the other days. For example, I could put someone in for four 10 hour work days, and then I could actually operate my business on a seven day work week by putting someone in for say three twelves. And that, that allows me to have staff in the building working all the time. And, and yet probably reducing the overall impact and creating a little bit more freedom for people. So are we just maybe a little bit stupid that we, uh, you know, business and business owners are not thinking outside the box here just for the default? Well, this is it. And this is why we say that you, you know, you, you, you've got to ask your people, how can we run the business more efficiently? Now, one the point I'm going to pull you up on, we're actually talking about reducing work time. So we're talking about swapping for a, from a 40 hour week to a 32 hour week. But that's in conjunction with a program to ensure that productivity remains the same. So it's about how do we use all of the benefits that we've learned in the workplace over the last 50 to 100 years and apply them to the new workplace so we can all have more time. Now, it's to do things other than be at our paid work. Now, I'm not saying that you won't, you you know, I know that there's a real, um, people go, oh, you know, but we love working. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not saying stop working. I'm just saying Work on the things that are important, your family, you know, your children, your, your, your older parents, your education, your health, um, your work, do stuff in the community, do civic duties. It's all work that's not being done in our society because we're too busy working for your boss. Yeah. Yeah. Working for the wrong yeah, reasons. How right? do we I guess balance that? that? How do we reconcile? Well, yeah. exactly. Well, no, or it's just it's an imbalance of work, right? So yeah. it's you know because we're either doing something or we're asleep. So the question just becomes: What are we doing with our, our time? How could we rebalance the amount that we do for earning a crust and how much we do for um, for bettering ourselves, our families, our, our society, and the planet? All right, Charlotte Lockhart, founding and managing director, Four Day Week Global. So what are the benefits, Charlotte, if you're talking about not only four days, but a reduction down to 32 hours, less hours? What are the benefits? Because now you've seen more of these schemes play out in all different places. What are what, How do you sell this to the bosses? 
Yeah, so, well, so, so first and foremost, this is a conversation about how we improve productivity within the business. So if we can improve productivity, then why would you, uh, you know, why would you reduce pay or increase hours? This is about how we, how, how we find that. And part of the reason why productivity can go up is because people are able to do the things outside of work hours that they sometimes do on your ticket or they they can get the appropriate amount of rest or get the appropriate amount of emotional uh, uh, well-being you know from from actually fulfilling some of the other things that they, they need to do in life or even just taking up a hobby all of these things make us better people and when we're better people we're better workers um, you've already highlighted the the, the, the dearth of, of um, office space that, that we're all freeing up and this obviously has, has a habit of making that a little bit more consolidated because one of the things I you know, often talk about is finding that, that beauty between productivity and remote and flexible and reduced hours working so that you're actually making, to your point about how you organise the shifts and people working with their circadian rhythm, that means that they are best working for you and for your customers. And we just have this mindset that it's nine to five, but actually the nine to five's um, destroying the planet. It's not, we've, we've got so far with gender balance. You know, we've pulled women up so much. We, you know, we, 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 more women graduate from university um, than men. And that's been the, the, the case for 15, 20 years. So we're, we're shifting the dial with, with so much. But what we're not doing is we're not helping our men out of the workforce. What we have to do is, is normalise reducing work time. So the person that's working the four-day week isn't necessarily the mother because she's got to, to family responsibilities. It's both parents. And acknowledging that fathers have a right to, to do it. I've well, got one story with this chap who works, he works five days a week, but he comes in at 10 o'clock in the morning because he walks his daughter to school every day. You know, imagine that, of the fathers out there, walking your daughter to school. How special is that time? So it's about finding a way that gives us a connectedness to the things that are special to us. So then when we feel great, we come to work feeling great and we get on with our job and it's great, we feel purposeful, we're clear about what our productivity target is. And so, you know, as employees, knowing why you're there and what is needed from you actually makes you feel so much better about your job. And when you feel better about your job, you do your job better and you achieve more. And so for businesses, you get this, you, you know, that, that bit that we're always seeking where we want our people to put in that little bit more on our behalf because they feel so engaged. And so one of the universal things that comes out of this from employers is this is the best team and building exercise I have ever done. Huh. I love it. Well, one of the stats that's at your web, web website, 4dayweek.com, is um, that 63% of businesses found it easier to attract and retain talent with a four-day week, and that should be telling for so many businesses that spend so much money just recruiting, interviewing, going through all the, the paperwork, the accounting. When people come and people go, that must be tempting. I had a boss once, and, and he wasn't really a great boss, except for this one thing he said to me, which was, I don't care what it takes for you to get here. I just need you to get here and be ready to crush it. That's all he ever asked for. 
And he was very good yeah. for that because he didn't care what it yeah. took. It was like, if you need a couple hours this morning to just get through your crap, then get through your crap, get it done, but come here ready to crush it. And I always admired that. And you know, he was yeah. right. When he gave you the space to get it done, you got there ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the thing that that employers uh, are realising. The great resignation is forcing them to anyway. But but we also, prior to the pandemic, there were there were lots of companies that were looking into the well-being of their people and, and, and how they provide a workplace that is 21st century ready. What's happened, of course, is that uh, the pandemic has required so many more, but also more more businesses, just the business owners themselves, their, their own experience of the pandemic has made them feel a little bit more like, actually, I want to operate my business differently. I want a different business. Um, and then, yeah, the, attracting the right staff. I mean, we, we, you know, we're all going to head into a recession post all of this, so you, you you want the right staff. You don't want your competition to be hiring them. You want them. So, as as crazy as it might sound, I'm you know going to fix your productivity by sending your staff home more. What you want is the top staff in your business being most productive for you and not for your competition. Oh, that's good. That's very competitive too. By the way, I love that. That's, that's very good. Okay, so one of the things well, that comes with this. I, well, I, I like it. It's great. One of the things that comes with this, though, is I was always taught as that when you're managing people is to inspect, don't expect that the job is being done properly. Now, that becomes difficult with remote work uh, from time to time. And how do we deal, Charlotte, with the lazy people that are still going to, they already, you're talking about people shortcutting, right, that are already doing their own personal things on the company dime. And some of those people are going to just take that extra day, take the 20% reduction in work time, and still just get their personal life stuff done on the company dime. How does that get dealt with? But they're not, because of what we're, what we're looking at is, is defining within your business how productivity truly works. And those people won't be productive. So therefore, they will underperform. They're probably underperforming in your business now. So how do you deal with, you know, one of the, the interesting things is how do you deal with the lazy people in your business now? Because that's the problem now. I mean, people sometimes say, how do you deal with the bullies if this comes up? Well, how do you deal with bullies now? How do you deal with the poor managers when this comes up? I don't know. How are you dealing with it now? This simply helps you highlight some of that. Let them go work for your competition and bring in people who care. Huh. Wow, that's good. I like that. Okay, so elevator pitch time, Charlotte. Uh, I'm the boss. We jump in the elevator. We've got, you know, our 10 or 15 seconds to try to talk our bosses into it. And the reason why I'm asking you this little sidebar, me and you, Charlotte, is because I kind of promised all the people that are listening right now, we call them shift heads. I told them that they would have a really good argument to take to their boss and have this. So we're going to pretend right now. So you and I get into the elevator. Okay. Um, I'm the boss. You're saying, hey, boss. The, this is why you need to try this four day week, we uh, work, uh, four day week. Uh, here's the reasons on your market set go. Okay. Well, so you just need to say to them, I want to increase productivity in the business. It's going to sound crazy because I want to do it by us going home more. But all I want you to do, boss, is agree for us to run a pilot. Just run a pilot. We don't have to agree that we're going to do it permanently, but let's just experiment and see if we can make it happen. And, listeners, uh, we have a How to Persuade Your Boss 
uh, webinar that you can join. So go on to fourdayweek.com, look for the How to Persuade Your Boss webinar, and we've got a whole program to help you do that. I love it. And you guys are not for profit anyway, so we should declare that, by the way, so you're not getting sold anything here. We are not for profit. Um, no, yeah, no, no, one's, no, 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 absolutely not. Money. Look, we do, we, yeah, we, we do charge for our pilot schemes, but that's really just because we, we have to go over for our costs. We've got six yeah. staff around the globe. Um, our, in fact, our uh, CEO is moving from New York to Toronto, so soon to be a Canadian. Oh. Um, so there you go. So all like the it. more reasons for Look, there are lots of companies in Canada already doing this. Um, and there are there are local governments and, and, and organizations you know in Canada that are either already doing it or seriously considering it. So just you know come along, join everyone else. I love it. Can I connect you with a couple of people I know? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. More than happy to talk to anyone. We'll convince. I love it. We, we're, 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 I try and be very persuasive. I, hey, look, what's not to like? I'm going to increase the productivity in your business. What business owner doesn't want that? Yeah, well, that's the truth, right? And, um, you know, the, the thing is, is that we have to also acknowledge, Charlotte, all the people that are listening right now that are saying, and we're getting texts are flowing in through our text line right now, and some of this is, um, like uh, Denise says, I would love to not have to work seven nights a week, right? Another one comes in from Steve. Yeah. He says, four-day work week. I'd be happy to knock it down to a five-day work week. So, you know, like there are a lot of well, people that and- are looking at this that are burnt out. Yeah. Well, this is it, and and this is why we don't, you know, why why we while we talk four day week, we call ourselves four day week because it's kind of on the can, but we're talking about reduced hour working, and so we have a principle called the hundred eighty hundred rule: hundred percent pay, eighty percent time, a hundred percent productivity. So actually, you can use it if you're working sixty hours to reduce you down to fifty, or you're working. 20 hours, and so any amount of time that you're working, you can still apply the principle to, to get, still get all of the benefits. And so, yeah, overwork is a huge problem, and it has become worse since the pandemic. That's one yeah. of the problems we have. My well, you know, remote phones. working is all very well and fine, but my, yeah, all phones, plus also my, my with remote working, my laptop's on the kitchen counter all the time. It's mm-hmm. that, that expansion of work time is something that businesses really need to focus in on. And our program helps them do that, even though we're specifically about really reducing work time, but it also helps them put boundaries and parameters around work time because that's obviously the first thing you have to do to be able to reduce it down. Now, you shared with us personally, Charlotte, let's take this off the four-day week you know, organization here, and let's just put it right into Charlotte's life if I can. If it's too personal, that's okay. You can decline. Sure. But um, you said you're already working a reduced week. Now, I believe your bio talks about, you know, your background about in business and all those things. What is one piece of your yeah. life, if you can answer one of your personal pieces, because you talked about walking a daughter to school, and one is one is your professional yeah. efficiencies, whether that's with four-day week or in your personal business life. Can you give us one example that you personally have benefited um, from reducing Reducing your hours where you've seen efficiency go up or maybe even just the pride in your work or passion for your work, passion at home. Uh, one of each, if you don't mind. Yeah, so well, passion at home is so easy. We're renovating um, a house at the moment. So I literally could not do this if I was working the hours that I used to work. And so so that's the, the, the creative side of me is really enjoying the, 
the, the, the rebuild of, of this. We've got a sort of a, quite a special house here in the UK. So, so that is a thing that I that I have that's there. But also, it does. You know, one of the things is when I go into work, I'm clear about why I'm there. I'm, I'm clear about who I'm meeting. Those people are also clear about who they're meeting, and they're in a really good mood because we're all just there get the job done and get out the door. And it's not that there isn't time for chit-chat. People often go, oh, and then there'd be no time for water cooler. There is plenty of time for all of that sort of thing because that also becomes part of your productive outcome. Collegial work or, or collaborative work is still part of what you need to do. Um, and work doesn't necessarily include you just sitting at your computer. It includes all of the things that need to happen in your day. It's just, you know, don't go to a meeting that doesn't got an agenda. Don't go to a meeting that you don't need to be at. You know, don't invite people to meetings when they don't need to be there. Sometimes it's, you know, it's about some of the, the, the habits. And so many business leaders find that they, their own time gets freed up because the people that are under them value their time. And so they spend less time knocking on the door going, hey, boss, I've got this problem, but I need you to help me solve. People learn how to be problem solvers within their own job and sort things out for themselves. It's kind of like teaching them to grow up. Yeah, well, it is teaching managers and middle managers to have discipline, which it's missing. When you look at someone who has, when they're, they're creating a small business, you know, when we, when I built my last business, which is we started really in 2016 for that one, we didn't have time. We did take time in the evenings to sit back, have a beer, right? And have that conversation on the patio and dream all the big, beautiful dreams. But when it came to sitting down with people, it was like, is it done? Yes. No. What's next? What do you need? Okay. Timeline next meeting. Okay. Like sort of classic critical path stuff. Um, and so many people get into the meetings and then the meetings wander and they don't pay attention and all those things. So, I mean, this could be scary for middle managers that don't have that discipline, but wouldn't that fall on management to, to teach them? And how great would we be if we could learn it, I guess, is really where I go. Well, and, and, and this is the thing. I mean, leaders are hopeless at teaching their managers, aren't they? I mean, that's one of the big flaws of, of success in business is actually Absolutely. not investing in your in, in your middle management. We, we, we promote people because we think that they're quite good at their job. It doesn't that make them a good manager or a good leader. And so often when, when, when people go through this program, they find that they need to invest in those skills for their people. But, you know, and that might seem a little bit scary sometimes, but that's actually a really good thing for your business. And if you're creating this environment where no one wants to leave because you're the best place to work and the competitor's not offering a four-day-week, so, hey, I'm not going to go work for them, um, you, they think these people are going to stay and they're going to be loyal and they're going to care that you cared. Well, that's the cool part. I love this. Um, this is so good. Uh, there's so much to be learned from this. For everyone else, fourdayweek.com. We will share that link up at shiftheads.ca, which is our website where our uh, nighttime community of folks get on Facebook and chat about these things. I'm super curious about where in Oxford this really cool house is now, by the way, like Broad, Suite, uh, Broad Street and uh, Gloucester <laughs> Green kind of area, like fancy, fancy. Um, but I, um, I'm super curious. Charlotte, this is very inspiring. And I just want to take a second and acknowledge that you're very pragmatic about it. And yet it, it's not filled with a bunch of fluff. It's just filled with direct conversation about 
you know, productivity. Creativity is what gets us here on the shift because that's what we do. Yep. We always get a kick out of things when people will say, Hey, do you want to come on our podcast? And I'll be like, sure. How many podcasts do you do, you know, a month? And they're like, Oh yeah, we do one podcast a week. How long is it? That's about 30, 45 minutes. And then I'm like, well, I got to plan it because you're doing 30 minutes of content a week. We're doing 20. So, you know, the creative yeah. part for us is very inspiring. And I know that some of the drivers and people that are listening right now are hearing this going, wait a second, I'm working how many hours a week plus my commute and all these things? And there's got to be a way to do this better. Yeah. So I find it expiring and I, inspiring, and I want to acknowledge you for that. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Well, I'll leave you with this little thought. As business leaders, we need to remember that we borrow our people from their lives. That's profound. Um, that's very profound. Mm-hmm. Charlotte, um, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your generous time. My pleasure. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you very much for connecting in. This is the Shift Podcast. Our podcast will be ready for you when the show is done. And on that very podcast will be a conversation with a man named Steve Stebbing. He's a mystical man. He's a man who likes his popcorn in the movies. SteveStebbing.ca is his website. Hello, Steve from Penticton. That was an amazing intro. I was like, uh-huh. where are we going? Where are we going on this journey? I'm going to this, trick you with your own life story. Journey. Yeah. Good. Um, Hey, uh, I wish we could start with good news, buddy, but it's kind of sad news. We just chatted about it here on the shift about James Conn and, and, um, you know, uh, Dano, his son, uh, said some really nice things. So uh, what are your thoughts about uh, his career? Uh, I mean, just a monster of a career. Uh, The guy was just like oozed coolness in every role that he did. Um, I mean, there's just so many great films. He had like basically almost a film a decade where you were like, uh, it, where it, like it's it's one of those uh, decade definers. I mean, for the 2000s, uh, Elf, I mean, defines people's Christmases now. Uh, I mean, he did so many great films in the 90s. He did a Nick Cage film in the 90s, Honeymoon in Vegas. Uh, I mean, he did a Michael Mann film, Thief, which is still one of the best. He did a martial arts film with uh with sam peckinpah killer elite uh i mean the godfather misery i mean it's it's hard to even name what your favorite is uh, of his filmography because he had so many great films and uh just a giant of a career i mean 82 years old the man was a legend yeah well and scott his son has uh, sort of taken that torch i think a little bit and started his own path and also been equally as particular in what he's taken and he's he's got that con swagger like he's he got does. that that posture and that the walk. I mean cuz yeah well, like I, Jimmy had really bad neck neck problems for a, a long time which was evident in his movements and everything but uh uh they're both very broad dudes and uh yeah you can you can see that the James Con will live on with his son for sure uh, very cool stuff. Sad news um, with that, but we do get to enjoy his fine work in a, such a wide range of character, a wide range of characters, and all of the movies. Okay, let's get started here. What the hell should we watch this weekend with Steve Stebbing and SteveStebbing.ca? Well, let's get started with Thor: Love and Thunder. Kids, get the popcorn now. Let me tell you the story of the space Viking, Thor Odinson. He was no ordinary man. He was a god. 
After saving planet Earth for the 500th time, Thor set off on a new journey. Well, he got in shape. He went from dad bod to god bod. And after all that, Mjolnir. he reclaimed his title as the one and only Thor. Oh, spoke too soon. Jane? Obviously, a new take from the dad bod to god bod. I've seen mm -hmm. some of the Hemsworth productions lately. Uh, some of the stuff is questionable. Is this good or, or bad? This is a great one. We'll, we'll try not to talk about his wife's films uh, when it comes to him right now, just to keep it on a good uh, good path here. Uh, <laughs> but this this comes from uh, Taika Waititi, who does his second of, of the Thor movies now. Um, and for me, the guy has never failed. I, I, I really love Taika's uh, approach to filmmaking, especially w w within the world of Thor, the, the fantastical, like how vibrant this film is. And I, I mean, it is much the same uh, as Ragnarok. It, it's more biting into the, uh, to the comedy side and everything. But I will say on the other side of that, Christian Bale plays a really great villain in this one. And uh, I mean, the opening scene is, is just so phenomenally well done. Uh, and yeah, there's just a lot to love about this big goofy movie and uh, just don't take it so seriously. And I think you'll really enjoy it. I think there should be a rule in movies that once you play Batman, you can never play a bad guy again. Just saying. <laughs> it's confusing. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, actors do jobs. I guess <laughs> They're so. allowed to do different jobs. Give me the money. Uh, SteveStepping.ca for the entire blog of all the things Steve gets talking about and ShiftEds.ca, some great suggestions that he posts up there as well. On the Blu-ray releases, we have Ambliance. I could use some help. My wife needs this surgery. This is real life. How's that right? You put your life down on the line for this country? You leave your family? Your home? How much do you need? 231. How about more? 32 million. I need an extra man. I came to you for a loan. Look, have I ever gotten you anything that I couldn't get you out of? It's time for you to do something for your family. All right, so I was just playing with like how the kids say it, but it's ambulance. Um, Steve Stebbing, <laughs> what's, the, what's it like? Yeah, this is a Michael Bay action film. So you got some crazy Bayhem, uh, as it's been coined in this, uh, uh, of course, with uh, uh, Michael Bay's muse, uh, L.A., being the backdrop of this one. And your leads in this are uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Yaya Abdul-Mateen III, uh, who play two uh, quote-unquote brothers uh, who um, basically, out of desperation, try to pull off a huge $32 million bank job and uh, it all goes to heck and they end up holed up in a ambulance with a wounded police officer and uh, like the greatest EMT <laughs> that has ever existed played by uh, baby drivers, Issa Gonzalez. And I, I mean, I, I have my hit and miss moments with Michael Bay for sure, especially since he started uh, taking on the Transformers movies and their sequels but Ambulance managed to be like one of the better uh, ideas from him in a long time. I, I think since Pain and, uh, Pain and Gain with Mark Wahlberg and The Rock, like this movie just as ridiculous as it can be, just really works. And the, the fast paced ride of the whole thing, he does some insane drone shots that put you alongside of the action in such a beautiful way. I watched it on, uh, on my 4K uh, Blu-ray and I was just 
astounded by how fun this movie was. I, I was honestly surprised. Cool. Also on the Blu-ray, everything, everywhere, all at once. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. What's happening? Oh, look, Steve Stemming wants us to watch a thriller. <laughs> this is I, I think this is more of like a comedy mystery. Like, I, I, I don't think it's like it's it's a thriller in the sense that it's scary at all. But I will preface this by saying this is probably my favorite movie this year. Oh, wow. um, and it, it's so brilliant. Michelle Yeoh uh, plays a, a Chinese immigrant uh, trying to live the American dream, but uh, in danger of her laundromat being shut down uh, by the IRS. Uh, and uh, basically, she through this, uh, she is contacted by her husband from another dimension that tells her that her and her other interdimensional beings must ban to uh, must fight to kind of uh, save the universe, which is kind of collapsing in on itself due to an unseen entity that is closer to her than she thinks. And I, I was just so utterly blown away by this film. It's done by the directing duo Daniels, who did a movie called Swiss Army Man, which had Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe as a farting corpse, uh, oh. which is another brilliant, brilliant piece of cinema. It doesn't sound like it, just how I'm saying it, but people who know Swiss Army Man know the brilliance that's contained in it. Everything, everywhere, all at once is just such a beautiful follow-up to that one. And Daniels might be my favorite directors currently. Very cool. All right, Steve Stebbing and what the hell should we watch this weekend? All right, let's get through these two quick so we can make sure we have time for them as well. Okay, that's not it, but it's boo, bitch. We have to figure out what's going on with these. These kids know all about the occult. I bet they have answers. Ghosts are ghosts because they always have unfinished business in their mortal life. Until I figure out my unfinished business, I'm going to get down to business. You're making the most of the little bit of life you have left. At least I can't get pregnant. <gasps> oh, wait. Can I? Are ghost babies a thing? Oh, my God. You can catch it on Netflix. Yeah, a teen series uh, basically about the the two girls that have uh, buckled down their whole uh, high school lives and decide that they're going to let loose in the last year uh, of high school. They start becoming cool at a party and then one of them dies and then is able to kind of talk from the other side is, is a ghost uh, and kind of has to try and get her way back to life essentially kind of a more of a teen comedy it's a little lighthearted compared to what the, the subject matter is about but i really like lana condor who's the lead in this one um unfortunately the only time i saw her before this was a terrible x-men movie where she played a really great jubilee in it but uh the movie was terrible but this is this has a lot of promise to it all right and last but not least on apple tv plus blackbird we would like you to transfer to another prison and befriend someone to elicit a confession. We suspect that this man killed 14 women, but we only have one of the bodies. Larry has vivid dreams. Tell me about them. In my dreams, I kill women. They're just dreams. In this prison, we're the guys 
Maximum security specializing in the criminally insane. You want me to check into hell and befriend the demon? Not for all the money in the world. Ooh, profound. Yes. Yes. True story, true crime uh, series. Taron Edgerton, who played uh, Elton John in Rocket Man, uh, plays uh, Jimmy Keen, who is a drug dealer that gets uh, sentenced to 10 years and cuts a deal with the FBI to befriend a killer uh, in a in a um, in a maximum security prison to become his friends to hopefully get the locations of 13 possible other bodies that uh, that uh, he has buried around America and uh, I really really dig this show the script is so well done uh, it's it's uh, run by uh, Dennis Lehane who's known for uh, doing fil- uh, writing the the stories for uh, films like The Town Mystic River and Shutter Island uh, it's gritty um and the one that plays the serial killer uh paul walter hauser who was in a black klansman and i Tanya and a bunch of other films is so great in this show I, I really dig this one a lot thanks for listening to the shift podcast make sure you subscribe rate and review the show and share with anyone you like get it on apple podcast google podcast spotify and curiouscast.ca 